with Turkish TV Time. I'm Sam, your host, and I'm here with my friends Ezgi and Sophia. We're going to be talking you through all the episodes of The Protector and many other Turkish shows, trying to create some English language content about these amazing and crazy Turkish TV shows that we love so much. Some background about me is that I studied abroad in Istanbul with Ezgi and Sophia in 2014 and then have been continuing to study the Turkish language and culture ever since then. Over to you guys. Hey guys, I'm Sophia. So I'm one of your co-hosts here at, at Turkish TV Time and I'm the newest one to Turkish TV. I've watched the least amount of shows. So I'll be giving the newbie perspective, I guess. Some background on me, I. I graduated international relations. I love it. And Turkey has been my focus from like from my studies for a while. And as Sammy mentioned, we studied abroad together and I've been very interested in Turkish culture and history ever since. And I'm Ezgi. I am also a big fan of Turkish TV. I was indoctrinated in Turkish TV from almost childhood or birth because my parents are both Turkish and we had Turkish TV in the house, so I love them. The soapier, the better. And I'm excited to bring a native speaker perspective to the show and help uh, maybe bridge the gap between some cultural context that could be missing from a, for a foreign viewer experiencing Turkish TV for the first time, because we're all over the world now. We're on Netflix. We're in Latin America, in Asia, in Africa. So excited to create some English language content along with Sammy and Sophia. Awesome. And just so you guys know, for The Protector, I've seen, I think, seven episodes, and Sophia's seen none, and Ezgi's seen all, so we're going to try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible so you can watch along with us, and we'll try to discuss the episodes and the plot as it comes. Before we get into a plot summary, I just wanted to give some context around the show. So The Protector uh, was billed as Hakan Mwafuz in its original Turkish. It's based on a novel, actually, that I haven't read, but we're thinking about doing a bonus <laughs> episode where I read it and comment. The author of the novel is Nidifar Ipek Gökdar, and the novel tra name translates to The Black Pen and A Young Man's Strange Tale. So oh, it's a, quite a bit of a mouthful compared to The Protector. Yeah. It's available on Amazon in Turkish only, so don't get too excited, folks. But uh, <laughs> the show is a Netflix original series, actually Netflix's first Turkish language original series. We'll talk about it more later, but there's quite a bit of, there's a quite a bit of local elements that I think only Turkish audiences will appreciate, and then quite a lot of framing it for a worldwide audience. And best watched in the original language with subtitles i would say and there are 32 episodes about 40 minutes each so very easy to consume anyone who's watched turkish tv shows before soap operas especially will know that typical run times are more in the one to two hour range closer to oh, two hours. Wow. so uh this is a lot more uh i guess easily digestible in terms of how it's paced so great quarantine viewing for everyone and that's why we're starting out with it in this uh, podcast. Before we get started talking about our show, uh, we're each going to share what tea we're drinking while we spill the tea about the protector. I am drinking an iced tea because as unlikely as it may sound, Seattle actually has really nice weather today. So that's what I'm drinking. What about you, Sophia? I'm drinking Earl Grey, but I wish I was drinking apple tea 
uh, Turkish apple tea, which is very good. And I'm just having a cup of black tea I made in my double pot Turkish kettle thing. I don't know how to translate that into English, but <laughs> Sophia and Sammy know what I'm talking about. It's like a two-tiered teapot. And but the tea bag, the tea is like from tea bags from uh, North Carolina supermarket chains. So yeah. that's where the authenticity stops. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't have everything here. We're just bridging two worlds. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> so over to you, Sophia, for the plot summary. Just to give you a little bit of background on the plot, as Sammy mentioned, I hadn't watched the show before this. So I was very confused by what was going on. Um, I had no idea about the premise or anything. So basically the episode starts with kind of like a flash forward of Hakan and this bullet flying towards him. And then basically the whole episode goes through kind of getting to that point where the bullet is coming at Hakan. So first we get to know him and his roommate, uh, Memo, and they live in this house together. Hakan works with his father in the Grand Bazaar. So we see him um, kind of like traveling through Istanbul, getting towards the Grand Bazaar, where this woman comes and asks him about this shirt, which he knows exists and is in, the, in his dad's shop. But he has no clue. Uh, uh, he, he says it's available. And then the dad is like, no, 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 no. This shirt is not available. It doesn't exist. Like, he's very weird about it. So then Hakan is also dreaming about opening a, opening a shop with his best friend, uh, Memo, in like a very high-end part of, of Istanbul. And because he wants to become like this man, uh, Faisal Bey, who is a very famous and, and, and well-off businessman, who is currently in this project trying to renovate Hagia Sophia, uh, which is a very famous landmark in Istanbul. But there's definitely some shady stuff going on. Um, <laughs> we don't really know what yet. Um, but there seems to be like some stuff with some competitor of Faisal Bey, who is also plotting with his right-hand man called Mazar. So we don't know what's going to happen there. And then finally, Hazan and Memo make a plan to meet with this woman who had come buying the sh- uh, to buy the shirt. And there's a very dramatic shootout. Unfortunately, Hakan's father is injured. They, like, he, he tells Hakan, like, please don't tell- take me to the hospital. Take me to this pharmacy in Fati. So he takes him to the pharmacy in Fati where like, they're taken to this weird secret room where unfortunately Hakan's father dies but before dying he tells him he's the protector and that there's some sort of order that these people are part of that protects the protector or like is loyal to the protector and then something really bizarre happens he puts on the shirt um he absorbs the shirt like his body like literally absorbs the shirt and basically he becomes invincible so that's when we get back to the beginning where he was shot with a bullet and the bullet like impacts him but it just like flies off him like it doesn't go inside and basically that's kind of what happens in this in this episode
Okay, so now we're going to go in depth on what happened in the episode and our thoughts okay. about all of those things. Yeah. First is the shirtless gunshot scene, which I appreciate because <laughs> he's shirtless. Uh, <laughs> was actually wearing the shirt. Was actually wearing the shirt, sure. but as Sophia said, it was absorbed. It's conveniently <laughs> turned <laughs> into a tattoo. Thank yes. God. <laughs> yes. Weirdly, very strangely. But like, the first thing that struck me was just the face that he's making when the bullet's going to hit him. Like, the face is just very weird. It's, it's kind of disturbing, even. He's I mean, would you be just disturbed if someone aimed at you point blank range between the eyes? <laughs> he's had just a rough her. day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like um, it's really funny because his groom is, like, such a, like, young man in a movie or TV show room. Like, it's disorganized. Like, there's shit everywhere. Memo is a piece of shit. <laughs> Memo he's is also weird. he's he's got those dreadlocks that have always bothered me. Every time I watch this show, I'm like, <laughs> why does this guy have dreadlocks? It's so problematic. But it's also anyway. like a mohawk of dreadlocks. It's like shit <laughs> on the side. It's very confusing. It's a very confusing mohawk. I completely agree. Um, <laughs> but I also really liked that their apartment is in a very kind of traditional Turkish neighborhood, like. Mm-hmm. It's not in a super modern part of Istanbul or like more recent Turkish architecture is like less distinctive, but it like the shots that they take of the street and everything, they have like such a distinct Istanbul feel like it's hilly. There's like a cement vendor. There's like clothes hanging from the terraces. I think it's like, it's conveying a very kind of like old school Turkish vibe. I don't know what you think about that, Izzy. Definitely. I, yeah, I had a, one of my notes rewatching this what i mean you all might remember this word from your turkish classes but mahalle for neighborhood so that's a very mahalle feeling as soon as he walks out of his apartment i'm i'm guessing i couldn't find this online but i'm guessing this was in the balat neighborhood so on the historic peninsula it looks like it anyway the the ottoman architecture and, and you know him memo picks up his simit which is a kind of turkish bagel hakan plays so- soccer for a bit with the kids on the street like you said, Sophia, you see the topography of Istanbul immediately. It's a very hilly city for people who haven't been there or don't know much about it. And it transitions very nicely into this. We'll get into this, but this kind of a tourist introduction to Istanbul yeah. in the following <laughs> shots. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also like that it, int- it makes sure that you know that Hakan is the main character and that he's a good guy because he plays with the children. He says hello <laughs> to the women leaning out their windows. He yep. saves a child from a life of crime in the first couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, even though he seems like a real failure and kind of a dick to his dad, he's a good guy. I, I, I felt like in that sense, the show was kind of setting up a very stereotypical structure. Like in that first part, there's this old lady and, he, and she tells him like, your future is going to change. And then he has that stereotypical fight with his father where he tells him like, you're not even my real father. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And like, I feel like that's definitely foreshadowing for your father's going to die. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) You're going to regret that, Hakan. (laughs) I don't know. I I thought like, as I mentioned, I'm not a big kind of like Turkish TV watcher. Like I loved uh, The Magnificent Century, which is about like the reign of Suleiman, which I've watched a few episodes of, um, but not a lot. But yeah, I was kind of like, 
a bit overwhelmed with the drama level of what <laughs> oh come on. on oh man it was nothing <laughs> oh with oh with Sudeman, you with a uh, magnificent century you were overwhelmed? no no, no I, I met with this well it just like i felt like there was there like those dramatic moments of like the shirt being absorbed and the old lady telling him that there's a prophecy and that shootout was just like so dramatic but i i didn't like not I didn't dislike it at all. I just was kind of like impacted because I did feel it was. What kind of low key shows are you watching? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. There's nothing happens. (laughs) I just watch very indie Turkish movies. That's for another separate show. Yeah. So after we meet Hakan and his loser roommate Memo with the dreadlocks, who's also his cousin, by the way. Oh, pointing out. I had no idea. Yep. They go to the Grand Bazaar to meet with his dad, which is a really ancient collection of small shops that is kind of in the heart of the old district of Istanbul. It's a bit stereotypical to have your main character and his father working there, but it actually works really well for the plot because his father is an antique dealer, and a lot of this show is going to center around the antique ottoman shirt that is the protector's shirt i was gonna say before we even get to the grand bazaar what i'd mentioned earlier was kind of a whirlwind tour of istanbul like all the landmarks even if they weren't directly related to the plot they just drinking tea out of the you know classic uh, tulip shaped glasses cats galata (laughs) bridge uh, the galata tower Istiklal Street, the kind of the main pedestrian thoroughfare in the old, near the old city, dried peppers hanging like to be stuck, like all the like food and and then the entrance to the Grand Bazaar. So it was when I, I remember when I first watched, I was like, this is a really good promo for Istanbul, and yeah. I'm very happy that you know other the other people from around the world are going to see this because this looks super cool. I mean, <laughs> they the- make me want to go back so bad. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, uh, other other viewers may be like, "Why did you need to show all that for the <laughs> plot?" And they probably didn't serve a plot plot function other than yeah. uh, just grounding everyone in the city. But I thought it was cool. Yeah, it was and really it's cool. it's a good length. I feel like it's it's sufficiently brief, but it really gives you like a taste. Yeah, of what's so iconic and and you know typical of Istanbul. Yep. Yep. And I liked that what I was talking about earlier with some elements being very clearly designed to appeal to a global audience. So like, like the whole, all the shots of Istanbul, I would say, are more for the global viewers. But then for the domestic viewers, they didn't compromise at all on the language being used. So in Turkish we have, and I, I don't watch it with the English subtitles, so you all can maybe sit, tell the view, the listeners what was on the screen in English, but... I liked it when Hakan walked into the Grand Bazaar and was saying Kolaygasin to every single vendor. That's a very like a normal behavior and that this phrase translates to like may your work come easily or may may your work uh, be lighter. Like it's just like a, a nice thing to say to people who you it can be strangers um, in most cases who you pass by um, in your day-to-day life uh, just you know as a greeting. And it's a very humble, nice thing to say, but we don't have an equivalent in English that I'm aware of. No. So I, I, I don't know if you remember how they translated it, but I liked that they included that. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was mostly like, what's up, bro? How's it going? Uh, yeah. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 
not quite as nice, but it's yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. And also, like I, I noticed this about the little Turkish that I still remember. No, just kidding. But my Turkish has sadly faded a little bit. But <laughs> it's really interesting, like from a semantic point of view. You know, like in Turkish, you call people Mister and then their first name, or well, their first name and then Mister, or like the honorary title. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because in the subtitles it kept being like Mr. and their last name so you would well for me I kind of got lost because like they oh. would say like Rizal Bey and then in the subtitles like Mr. I don't remember his last name but whatever his last uh, name Mr. was. Mr. Erdem. But I think that's also like a kind of a cool historical thing about Turkey where you know the whole last names thing was was something that is relatively recent so people are still kind of like honorifically referred to by their first name rather than Mm -hmm. by their last name yeah Mm -hmm. that's a good point so after he goes to talk to his father he reveals that he is a serial failed entrepreneur and then he (laughs) saves a child from a life of crime and delivers a carpet to a tourist who, and this is my personal biggest nitpick of episode one, was like, oh, I don't speak very much Turkish, and then spoke perfect fucking Turkish, and I was so mad. <laughs> She's half Turkish, that's why. She, yeah, her mother was Turkish. Oh, and I they- only speak a little Turkish. Very angry. <laughs> that's me. Like, before they got together, I was like, oh my god, Hakan is such a creep, like, please leave. But then, <laughs> wow. they got together. <laughs> So I was like, okay, um, I don't know. I guess I read the energy of the scene wrong or something. (laughs) But I was kind of like very confused. That was also like kind of a very unnecessary scene. I feel like it's just to place him in that building. And he probably just wanted an excuse to go to that building also. Because like he's obsessed with Faisal Bey. And like fortuitously, he needs to be at that place at that time in order to get hired by the company eventually. And save a little girl from a falling chandelier. Wait, wasn't the <laughs> chandelier thing with um, Leila, like the, the, like the admin type girl? Like I thought the ho- that was at a hotel with the half Turkish girl. Well, he exits, as he's exiting through the lobby from his sexual encounter, he runs into the line of people waiting to job interview, uh-huh. I think. Ah, uh-huh. uh, okay. Okay, yeah. that's right. That's right. And that's when he goes up and, and Leila is like, you really thought that you were going to get a job with this shitty CV, <laughs> which that is also, I think, very classic TV show. Like somebody just shows up with like some random CV. Love the company. And they just like magically get hired, which I thought it was funny that in this case, he didn't actually get hired, which obviously is also part of the plot for him not to get hired in the first try. But I thought that was that was really funny. So her job title is general coordinator. Yeah, <laughs> which might be the most common job title in Turkish corporations. Really, by the way. really? <laughs> interesting. <laughs> because it means nothing to me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm guessing that she, like, nicely put, she's his chief of staff. Less nicely put, she's his secretary. Not really. Yeah, like sure. admin assistant or something. Slash PR rep. He coordinates just generally. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. She's very important and, she, and very pretty. She's also That's what's probably like 23 years old. Yeah. Somehow. And I, I th- that also, I thought it was funny when he was like, yeah, you're so young and you managed to get this job. Like, congratulations. <laughs> um, I was like, okay. But she does look very, very young to be his like right hand. 
non-evil right hand because his evil right hand is Mazar, I guess. Yeah, so we could talk about his evil right hand. Mazar (laughs) recently seen murdering the opposition contractor in a car. (laughs) Seems like a chill dude. Yes. (laughs) Well, and also saying that it wasn't even bad that, oh, that it wasn't good news that the woman survived, Susanna. He was definitely, seemed like he was about to go murder her in the hospital. Literally, <laughs> I was a bit worried. Um, but I have a question about, you know, Hakan and him wanting to have this shop in where, like, seems like Levan, which is like yeah. a very... Like business, the financial district, yeah. Uh, the financial district of Istanbul, very modern, you know, like, yeah. shopping malls and everything. I think it's kind of bizarre to have an antique shop there because I yeah. feel like people wouldn't go looking for antiques in that part of the city. And the foot traffic in the Grand Bazaar is insane. So, like, yeah. why would you want to take your shop? Like, that just didn't make sense to me. That's a that's a really good point. I I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be an antique shop, like, or more of just, like, a luxury goods shop. Uh-huh. So, if it was, like, a home decor thing, I could see yeah. that existing yeah. in Levant. Just because the foot traffic would be people who work in the financial district who are pretty well off who would pass by the shop. But... Yeah, if he's going for antiques, it makes no sense other than, you know, again, a plot device to pan over to the building that is actually called the Faisal. Like, he actually named his building that, um, which yeah. should tell you that he's a villain. I don't know. Like, <laughs> villain vibes. Yes. Also, small penis vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, I feel like, like, weird Istanbul tidbit, but when we lived there, I feel like those buildings were exactly at a point where I don't know if you remember what one of the buses that went to where we lived went like in one direction like the the, the road was like forking right it went yeah yeah yeah. it was like impossible to get back and one time we got super lost trying to get the right bus to go to where that's not us (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say just before we get into like Masar and like that whole thing I think it's worth going back to the the Hagia Sophia briefly yeah, and okay. just like talking about that what's going on there. So what Faisal qu- says to the to TV reporters when he's talking about his firm um, bidding on a restoration project at uh, the Hagia Sophia is that Napoleon said if the world were a single country, then its capital would be Istanbul, and then he paraphrases that and transforms a little bit and says if the world were a body its heart would be the Hagia Sophia so of course this is a very I mean Napoleon might have agreed with that but obviously we live in a very different world than when Napoleon was speaking or have a very different perspective from what Faisal has as a resident of uh, Istanbul but nevertheless I thought that that was an interesting way to frame the importance to a global audience. So I don't, I don't know how you guys reacted to that scene and that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I really like the quote and I think that while a bit overdramatic and overstated, I mean, we've heard in the news this past week how much, how much attention people are giving to this current news about the Ayasofia and how important it is to people around the world. So I think it's pretty fitting to have this show centered around it. Yep. But yeah, it's it's not only is it very beautiful and like culturally significant, but it's like architecturally very significant in 
what they managed to do with the with the structure. If you haven't been to Istanbul and hopefully after COVID blows over, um, you should definitely go because it's very, 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 very impressive. <laughs> and I hope this show gets you excited to go. Thank you, Sophia. And I, I, Sophia was obviously named after the Hagia Sophia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, well, I, I, would, I also, I guess we should say that Hagia Sophia means like supreme uh, wisdom, wisdom. In, in Greek. So it was like the church of, of holy wisdom for, for the Byzantines. Yep. Which is why I'm named after it. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she embodies that. I can, I can attest. <laughs> Yeah, embodies holy wisdom. <laughs> I was gonna also just to a mini, I mean, not really a mini spoiler at all because with the whole Ottoman shirt thing, like I think everyone who's seen episode one knows that some really old shit is gonna come old into shit. play in this show, but uh, like Hagia Sophia is old as hell. So, <laughs> like, if that's one of the focal points already um, being set up, like, you can expect some old magic-y stuff to start yeah. happening yeah. uh, in future episodes so keep mm. watching we're not going to reveal more but <laughs> Sophia doesn't even know so it's fine I do not know so do we want to move on to the uh, main shirt confrontation in the <laughs> gallery off I think of so. calls? yeah I let's, let's talk about the shirt let's talk about I mean I don't, I'm not in the author of the script writer's heads but like what do you guys think about the magical object that's clearly going to be super important for the plot being something you wear. I feel like that's pretty unusual, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, and it, I, was, it was funny when he said like, am I invisible when he put it on? Because I feel like the only things <laughs> that you wear that are magical are like invisibility cloaks or. Yeah. Stuff, stuff like yeah. I wish there was like a better word for it in English than shirt, because I feel like it yeah. sounds kind of stupid when they keep saying shirt. <laughs> I wish it was but, like, I mean, the Turkish is gumnik, which is shirt. It's mm -hmm. so it's, it yeah, but like banal yeah. in Turkish. I mean, the tattoo thing is great because I was worried someone was going to tear that thing. It's super old. It's like a scar tattoo too. It's hardcore. <laughs> but like, also, I'm wondering, I guess, because I haven't watched any more of the episodes. Like, so he just absorbs the shirt because then I feel like there's going to be a struggle about who owns. Like, there already is a struggle about getting the shirt, but no one can take. So, like, I don't know. I'm speculating, but like. If he absorbed the shirt, then no one can take it away from him. Yeah, I don't so, like, remember if he can take it off, but I, it didn't look like the tattoo had like an off switch. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, he know. can definitely he can definitely take it off himself. But we're gonna learn a little bit more about the mythology behind mm -hmm. the protect the protector. Like, it's not well. Spoiler: He's not the first one. So okay. there's a lineage, and there's kind of laws around all these different groups, like Sophia mentioned, there's an order that's there to protect the protector, the loyal ones. And they're, if you want to think about it, like non-magical folk who can, who are aware of the protector. And then there are immortals who we don't quite know yet what that means. Nope. Other than them not dying, as the name implies. Sounds like it. Um, and it sounds pretty evil if there's a whole order dedicated to protecting the protector from them. Um, or helping the protector fight them but yeah we will learn more about the mythology and like how the shirt I guess behaves around different people. Ooh, I also thought the setting for that scene was kind of weird like 
I like that they incorporate, you know, that whole like architect, like, I think it's, it's very Istanbul to have a place that has been adapted from different architecture. Like when you see the pharmacy up front, it looks kind of like, I don't know, I guess like a European pharmacy, like very wooden and like all these details. And then like they magically move into this it's sort of structure. It's literally a cistern more- under the street, which is. Oh, you know, is that what it is? Yeah, so Istanbul being a super old city, like many old cities, it's layered. So you have structures buried by other structures. So it's a cistern that they're in. Okay. I I liked it a lot, but I thought the decoration was very weird. Like, I didn't understand (laughs) if the deer's head was there or was where they were torturing Memo. Like, that confused me very much. Uh, Your window Uh, underground rooms were getting... And the weird clocks that they, like, weirdly panned over... um, (laughs) I don't remember that at all. I don't know yeah, what you were paying attention to. <laughs> and then the weird red armchair, which was like very out of place, I thought. And the weird like mini hospital. I just thought that whole thing was weird. <laughs> but I appreciated them showing like, you know, kind of the old and the new, which is, I think, at the heart of, of Istanbul and at the heart of Turkey. Well, a lot of Turkey has been like kind of older structures repurposed or rebuilt or built on top of as yep. as you mentioned so i think i mean that's that ties in very nicely with with everything mm-hmm. yeah so i have a question which is what the hell is hakan doing not worrying about memo his maybe best <laughs> friend and also apparently cousin who <laughs> gets kidnapped or i mean he doesn't know could have been shot dead on the know. spot and then he just like doesn't seem concerned at all about him but well, his let's dad remember, is dying. Yeah, his dad's dying and Memo's like a piece of shit, as we've already said. Like, <laughs> he gambled away their rent money. And then he was like, bro, buy those girls a beer. Ha ha. And then Hakan sarcastically <laughs> laughed and cussed him out, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I really awesome. disliked Memo. I was also wondering if the fact that the pharmacy is located in Fatih, which is, you know, kind of a neighborhood in Istanbul, not in the historical like center but very it close. is it's it's the historic yeah. peninsula it's Fatih. Oh. yeah 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 it's bigger than that but it includes the entire um saray burnu historic peninsula so mm. is eminonu within Fatih? Mm-hmm. okay yep. hmm. i also wanted to mention that zainab who is the loyal one female did a, I mean, I don't know, the female little one, the daughter, I don't know what she's doing, but she did a beautiful choke on Hakan to put him to sleep when he was flipping out and trying to call the police. And it was perfect form and it was beautiful. So props to that actress. I also felt that Hakan was so over the top in that scene. Like the yeah. other people were like so chill and he's just screaming but like very <laughs> energetically screaming and yelling and touching his hands, his face with bloody hands which i couldn't get over i guess it's my covid ocd uh <laughs> coming in <laughs> but i just was like oh god i also thought that it was interesting that the passage where they eat with this woman is super fancy. Like Suzanne, well, right? I haven't been to every single passage, but I don't remember them being that fancy. I remember them being like normal places you would go to, like people that work around there go to have lunch at. I uh, remember that particular one. It's the most it's famous the only one. one that looks like that. Yeah, and it's yeah. off of Istiklal, and it's very pretty. But all the restaurants are crazy touristy and super pricey. Yeah, <laughs> probably not yeah. very good. Maybe that's why I have like a biased perception of it. 
it's hard to believe that they would go there for yeah. a meal and a secret me, deal. Definitely. So it's not that close to the to the office to this woman's office yeah. or to the bazaar. True. So that that also kind of like I guess that's very specific, but that was also kind of like oh why would they meet there? And it was, it was, I, I kind of laughed when they took the nostalgic tram, they, like, they got off of the nostalgic tram on Istiklal, which, like, no one, I, I mean, I don't really know how I've many people are taking it. that up and down the street. Um, it's close, it's under some kind of renovation half the time anyway that I am in that, am in that area. But they got off, and I literally looked at the map, I was like, did these people really get off at Penad, <laughs> like, on the far end walk back to the midpoint to get to the passage, because that makes no sense. Um, but it turns out there's a stop by Galatasaray High School. So oh. it's Bitcoin. So they must have, if I were, you know, the, sc- the screenwriter, I would have had them get off there and walk a few few steps. But who knows? I mean, there, that was that and the passage itself were kind of, again, the, the touristy plug for the city showing different um, attractions and pretty places, which, uh, again, I'm fine from a propaganda standpoint, but, you know, it's uh, also not the most, I don't think like in a show that's specifically for a Turkish audience only, they would have had those settings necessarily. Probably would have been somewhere more casual. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I thought it was interesting, Sophia, that um, obviously I've only seen a couple episodes of the show, but when you did your plot recap, you didn't really talk about Faisal and Layla very much. And Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting because clearly they don't seem super important in the first episode, but they definitely become pretty important as far as I watched. I I mean, I feel like they probably are important. I think it's more that like their scenes, like not a lot actually happened when they were together in in the shots. So I guess that's why, because it was like all very like, you know, um, how do you say this in English? Um, it was all very like normal activity. Like, oh, I'm just telling my boss, like I hired, like I, I interviewed this guy and he was unqualified, but then your boss is also quote unquote unqualified. So he's like, oh, well, um, it's almost like you're talking about me and like all that drama. Which So was... maybe he is a good guy, you know, we don't know. <laughs> no, but like, um, I think you can definitely tell he's a bad guy. But the interactions with, with Layla are just, like, very non-plot moving. Like, oh, let me just tell some journalists what you don't want to say. Like, she's just, like, and telling um, Hakan that he's not qualified and stuff. Like, it's it's very banal till now. We'll see what, like, obviously she's going to start taking more importance. She's probably his love interest. Like, I already think that she's probably either evil or his love interest. <laughs> Um, or both. Why not both? Yeah. <laughs> or both. <laughs> I think that's a good prediction. Like she's either gonna be like a bad person that he like makes good or something, you know, typical like male hero storyline. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I was gonna mention this earlier, and I forgot about the hotel sex scene. Like that. Now it wasn't really a full oh, yeah. sex scene, but you know where the yeah. intercourse was implied heavily. <laughs> that I remember when I was watching this show for the first time part of me was like they're gonna have alcohol and they're gonna have kissing and they're gonna smoke cigarettes and they're gonna be (laughs) stupid like little like if you watch a show in Turkey or even like a lot of shows will post their episodes on YouTube for foreign audiences to watch so like you couldn't get on to YouTube in Turkey and watch them uh, because they would 
license it to like a streaming platform in Turkey, for example, to make money off of it. But for foreign audiences, especially in Azerbaijan and a lot of Europe and I guess Latin America as well, uh, Sophia can probably confirm that they're very popular. <laughs> These soaps are very popular in Latin America too. They will even in the YouTube versions have cigarettes blurred out. And for a while they're putting like flowers in the place of the cigarettes like <laughs> on Turkish TV it was absolutely ridiculous um alcohol will be blurred out anything you know if they're having a glass of wine even not even hard liquor um mm-hmm. and then there certainly wouldn't be any I mean there there might be an implication that people had sex but it, I mean it would be a lot more subtle than what we saw in the first episode of the protector and that it was in the first episode and they're framing like Sammy said earlier they're clearly framing this guy as, as a good guy, like a very good guy, well-intentioned, strong, very masculine. But he's a young guy with, you know, Flaws. Interest, interest, normal interest. interest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, uh, for me, when I was watching the first time, I was like, okay, this is a, this is a Netflix show. Like, this is not a, this is not a network um, Turkish TV show when I, when I saw that scene. So, and then there's another... Um, Turkish Netflix series called The Gift that came out in 2020, I think, or end of 2019. It was their second one. And that also in the first episode makes a bang, literally, with uh, (laughs) a thing like that. So I think it's a recurring theme. (laughs) In my favorite Turkish TV show of all time, which we will be doing on this podcast at some point, Kara Para Ashk, which is the best show of all time. I think it takes the characters who are clearly in love with each other from the first episode, about 80 episodes to actually get it on. Oh my God. They also bleep the Turkish F word, but they translate it into the English subtitles, which is really funny. (laughs) So So if you want to learn how to curse in Turkish, that is not your show. They do curse uh, freely without bleeping in the protector in this so show, you can which is yes. great and the and the I, I was uh watching the fourth and as far as we know the final season that came out last week at the time of this recording and Hakan is clearly like they keep the whole working class vibe strong throughout the whole series and like the curse the curse words he throws out are so just vulgar and like you know <laughs> run of the mill in every setting it's awesome like he's just not trying to be fancy it's like <laughs> it's awesome that's great now that um, i think about it, like most colombian soaps and stuff don't don't curse like don't use the normal language that you would you know curse in normally they use fancy ones or just they avoid cursing altogether no i think they avoid cursing mostly what i mean shame. yeah yeah a lot of a lot of i i would say the turkish soap like the proper soapy soaps avoid them almost entirely except for emphasis now there are some that are soaps but more crime focused that are that use them a lot but then they bleep them because the government censors like bleep them so mm-hmm. it ends up being a less enjoyable viewing experience. I think I would rather they just didn't include the swear words in the script to begin with so we don't have to interrupt them. Yeah. Also, like, it makes you, like, you're just spending the whole time trying to figure out what word it was. Like, it's supposed to make it obvious. And you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Joys of watching in a foreign language, right?
each episode, we're going to talk about a different piece of history or architecture that's been featured in the show. And this week, for our first segment, we are going to talk about the city of Istanbul and a bit of its history. And I'm sure we will return to this topic many times over the course of the show, but this is just to give you a little bit of an introduction if you don't know much about the city. Yeah, I'm going to start by rattling off some fun facts, like <laughs> demographic facts. So Istanbul is the largest city in Turkey. It is not the capital. So let's get that straight from the beginning. Um, capital is Ankara in the middle of the country. But Istanbul was the capital of the Ottoman Empire and the Byzantine Empire and the what and then what became uh, the Eastern Roman Empire. Yep. Um, so three empires, one city. Definitely has an imperial city vibe. Um, if you've been to places like Vienna, um, and I can't think of another imperial city right now. <laughs> anyone, anyone want to help me with another imperial city? But anyway, it's got these, these mass in the historic district, these massive buildings and structures and Rome. Um, Rome. This is, yes, the imperial That's city. That's a good one. <laughs> that is very good. Oh, yeah, I missed, missed an important one there. So it's definitely got that, that vibe to it. It is the largest city in Europe, actually, um, and the 15th largest in the world. It is on two continents. You will hear it used as, in Turkey in general, used in a bridge cliche or stereotype, um, bridging east and west, but it is also true in many respects. Turkey's uh, municipalities are a little bit unique in how they're governed, as, I mean, at least as compared to American um, cities. So if you think of, if you hear Istanbul, you might think, of just a municipality. However, it's a municipality and a province. So Turkey has, I should know off the top of my head how many provinces Turkey has, but I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> but okay. Istanbul has 39 districts as a province, has 39 districts. So Fatih, which we were talking about earlier in the episode, um, is a district. We might shorthand call it a neighborhood. It's much bigger than a neighborhood. It would be, it's like a borough almost, if you want to think of like, compare it to the scale of a term that's American. So Fatih is, is the old city. Basically everything in the old city is in Fatih for the most part. And then some of it is in Beyoğlu, which is, uh, what used to be, that's where the Galata Tower is. That's where the passage where they have dinner is, is in Beyoğlu, which is um, on the other side of the Golden Horn, an inlet of the Bosphorus. And the Bosphorus is the water that divides the city in two. And, and divides Europe from Asia. Exactly. There are three bridges in, Tur in Istanbul that connect the two continents, which is pretty unique. And you can get it from continent to continent via bridge, via under, under the Bosphorus uh, subway tunnel. and yeah. tunnel. Yes, there, that's the other word. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ferry. So you can and get... I believe that the tunnel, which is called the Marmarai, is actually the deepest uh, yeah. subway tunnel in the world. Ooh. Fun fact. Yes. And uh, my, my last, uh, this is a historical fun fact, and then I think Sammy has more historical tidbits for us, but it was built on seven hills, like Rome, although the jury is out on what, what hill, <laughs> there are a lot of hills, there's more than seven hills, uh, <laughs> for sure, <laughs> but it's not exactly, I mean, the hill that the Topkapı Palace is built on was for sure one of the hills, but the rest is kind of like, eh, up for debate, and then the peninsula, the historic peninsula, where the, the Topkapı Palace, Hagia Sophia, all of those old structures are on, was settled as far back as the Neolithic era, 6,000 uh, BC, uh, but Byzantium comes into the picture 
picture in 660 BC. So over to you, Sammy, cool. for more history. <laughs> well, let's see. I was reading a little bit this morning, and as you guys know, I'm kind of a Latin nerd. So I was looking at the Emperor Constantine, who is the one that founded uh, Constantinople, where Istanbul is. And he didn't want to the capital of the Roman Empire to be Rome anymore because it was so far from the fronts of their territory. So he picked Istanbul because it was close to the front, which was the Danube, and the other front, which was the Tigris River, both rivers. Um, so those were the borders of the Roman Empire at the time. So I thought that was really interesting. Istanbul is, as, as Guy said, often referred to as the bridge between Europe and Asia, and it continues to function in that way. You'll hear in the show, we'll talk about people being on the European side or the Asian side of the city. There's lots of neighborhoods on both sides. We lived on the European side by the third Bosphorus Bridge. And second. By the second Bosphorus Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Third yeah. is way up by the Black Sea. That's what I said. The second Bosphorus <laughs> Bridge. The third Bosphorus Bridge, I guess, is where the is the beaches. The beaches, yeah. And the new yeah. airport is also up mm -hmm. that high. Yep. Let's see what else. The Bosphorus connects the Black Sea and the Sea of Marmara, which then in turn becomes the Mediterranean Sea. So it's really important for shipping. When you're looking out on the Bosphorus from Istanbul, you'll always see giant container ships there, and as well as small fishing boats for people to catch little fish. And uh, in, in 1453, um, yes. Istanbul became, it was conquered by the Ottomans. The Ottomans got, were a, a, a Turkish at that point, states. They weren't an empire yet. They became an empire when they took Istanbul, an, an imperial city. But at that point, they were a Turkish state, um, kind of the successors to the Sajuk civilization in uh, Anatolia, which is kind of the generic name for Asia Minor, which is the generic name for Turkey, <laughs> modern-day Turkey. They have their origins most likely in Central Asia, so kind of like the Stans and Mongolia, all of them. So they were Turkish-speaking, Muslim state, became an empire with the conquest of Istanbul in 1453, Mehmet II or Mehmet the Conqueror or Fatih, Sultan Mehmet. So Fatih, the district, comes from Mehmet the Conqueror. Um, and he made the Hagia Sophia the Grand Mosque of his former, former Constantinople, uh, then Istanbul ironically by uh, covering up all of the mosaics and, and stuff that are that's what make the Hagia Sophia famous today um he actually preserved them by he actually preserved them all up. yeah exactly so so that was not a bad not a bad call even though that wasn't the intention and it was also Istanbul was also in many I mean it was in many ways the capital of the world uh given how big the Ottoman Empire got it stretched yeah. all the way to Hungary in the west uh, up to the gates of Vienna until Famously, they could not <laughs> take Vienna. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, all across the Middle East down to, you know, modern day Saudi Arabia was all Ottoman territory. And Istanbul was the capital of, of that whole giant um, expanse of territory. And also from 1517 onwards, the seat of the caliphate. So the capital of the Muslim world, anything beyond the Ottoman Empire um, that was majority Muslim also in effect, pledged allegiance to the Ottoman Empire. So very, very powerful city um, for a very long time. And it is a little bit funny to me when people 
are not very familiar with Istanbul, given how centrally important it was to world history, even Western history. So, but but there you go. People are are rediscovering it. I want to say now. If you think about like the recent wars and and you know a lot of the imperial struggle between you know uh, England or the UK and Russia and other powers that were consolidating at the turn of the 20th century, uh, Istanbul continued being extremely important. And um, when the empire fell, there was a huge kind of race to get Istanbul, which after Ataturk took the leadership of Turkey and was able to kind of consolidate his, his power and, and the Republic of Turkey in 1923. But if, if you look historically, like there's been Italians were trying to get control, Russians were trying to get control, British were trying to get control of the city. And even during Ottoman times, a lot of different city-states kind of, or different colonies of people lived within what is today Istanbul. Like you had in Galata, the Italians, and you had, there was a lot of Jewish immigrants from different parts of um, the Middle East and Spain um, after after 1492, even like Istanbul, even today has a, a synagogue that's that was built in 1492. So there's it's it's been a historical city for for many groups of people and for there's a lot of different people that lived there. Not only you know the Turks who came and conquered it, but there were a lot of of Greek influences, of Armenian influences, and and of you know Jewish influences. And and even when we lived there, we got the chance to visit the Armenian Patriarchate and the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate, which are still located in in Istanbul. So it continues to be an extremely significant city for a lot of different groups of people who live there um, in different ways in, throughout many, many, many years. Yeah, well said. going to talk about the WTF Hakan moments of the show and our crying count for Hakan because he <laughs> likes to cry which we appreciate a man that likes to cry but still it's a little yeah. excessive. Uh, for the record I, I think that it's very some like significant that a main male character who's portrayed a very masculine like I have again this is the first episode I watched but <laughs> I still think it's really cool that they make the main character cry even though he's like very masculine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I appreciate it too. I counted two cries, but I guess it was more like one continuous mental breakdown <laughs> when his dad gets shot and then when his dad dies. But I feel like he dried up in between because he got choked out and he was unconscious. So I'm counting that as two. For the okay, episode. that's fair. The, the, the chokehold was a breaking point in the <laughs> actual shedding of tears. Yeah. I can accept that. Um, do you guys have a <laughs> WTF Hakan moment? I think it's more WTF memo for me. <laughs> Just his whole also, being. Yeah, but when he tells his dad, like, I hate you, you're not my dad. Well, that was definitely a what the fuck. Yeah. Very I moment. also thought when he stole from his dad, I mean, that was pretty shitty when he stole the shirt. And it seemed like he maybe didn't intend to sell it without his dad's permission, but still, he should not have taken that shirt. Also, how was the dad there at that time? Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought that was also 
He also, I'm pretty sure he came out of kind of the dead end corner of the massage, yeah. like not really. dead end. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the shirt is magical. Maybe, maybe his yeah. uh, adoptive father is also magical. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had my two uh, WTF moments as having a roommate like Memo. Like you might be cousins, but like, why did you agree to that? <laughs> um, at least he sleeps on the couch. Like, at least he doesn't have his own bed. Like, that was... I mean, like, that he, he sleeps on the couch in his, like, own apartment. That's... Yeah. Up. <laughs> the, 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 hey, I'm a big couch sleeper. Couch Maybe sleeper. they, like, switch off having the privilege of the bed. We don't know. Maybe. Also, can we just talk about for a second how that apartment was, like, littered in books? And, like, who is reading? <laughs> I don't think either of those guys are readers. Yeah, just... I didn't write down the names of the books, but they seem pretty sophisticated, and I don't think... There was books. one about... The, I, I paused and I went back, so there was a copy of a text by Rumi about Sufism. <laughs> yeah, these I was guys like, are not you are not. Rumi. Yeah, you're not reading Rumi. And then the important piece of, you know, literature in that whole room was that magazine cover with Faisal's yes. photo. I mean, that was, uh, and then my other, yeah, w, other WTF um, moments were, I'm not your real son, which like, clearly you're adopted, but like, why? I feel like the argument place? didn't merit going to that place, you know? Exactly, exactly. But it's then, so typical that any argument about, like from an adoptive father to, or like vice versa, from an adopted child to an adoptive father, We'll always go there because they know that it's the most painful thing to bring up. I don't, again, I, I feel like that scene was just like a build up for he's going to die in like for 20 sure. seconds. <laughs> this is your 20 second warning to your adoptive father's death. <laughs> I think we're all in yeah. agreement about the, the major eye rolls in the episode. Yes, <laughs> yes we are. Yeah. All right, now guys, I think we're good. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you again for the next episode, season one, episode two, and thank you for listening.